G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Hello friends, before we begin today's teaching, allow me just to take a moment and invite you to connect further by watching Leading the Way television. Each week, like on radio, we dig deep into the Word of God to seek biblical wisdom for living. Leading the Way television is available in most areas on networks such as TVN, Daystar, God TV, Nine, Seven, and more. Visit ltw.org for details. That's ltw for leading the way. Dot org. God bless. Here's Dr. Michael Youssef introducing the topic of today's teaching. When David sent the messenger to find out who Bathsheba was, the messenger came back to him and he said, This is Bathsheba who is the wife of Uriah. In other words, the messenger was saying to him, David, this was another man's wife. But David didn't want to hear that truth. And when we don't want to hear the truth, we will rationalize and make excuses. And you know what? That really doesn't honor God. Remember the story of David and Bathsheba? In summary, the king of Israel beds the wife of one of his senior military leaders. Attempting to hide his indiscretion, David deploys his faithful soldier to the front lines of battle, where he's killed. Hello and welcome to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Today, an inside look at what led David to dishonor God and fall into murder. This story and the consequences he suffered may help you avoid dangerous traps in your life. It's part of Dr. Youssef's series, David, Portrait of a Champion. Listen with me. The Roman Emperor Arcadius and his wife have experienced such hatred such bitterness, such anger toward John Chrysostom. John was the bishop of Constantinople at the time. He probably was one of the godliest men, if not the godliest man of his time. And the anger was continuously to bubble in the heart of the emperor until one day he brought together all of his advisors and he said, what can I do to destroy this man? And the advisors all got together And they all came up with different types of ways by which they can destroy John Chrysostom. One said, banish him and exile him to the desert. Another said, put him in prison. A third one said, confiscate all of his property. But then a crafty and a wicked courtier came up and looked at all the advisors of the emperor. And he said, I want to tell you that you're all making a great mistake. You will never punish him by such proposals. He said, if you banish him, 
He will feel God's presence in the desert as he feels him in the city. If you put him in prison and load him with chains, he will pray and praise God in the prison as he will in his office. If you confiscate his property, it will make no difference because he gives it all away anyway. If you condemn him to death, you only open the gates of heaven to John Chrysostom. And this malicious, wicked, devilish man turned to the emperor and he said, Prince, let me suggest to you how you destroy this man. If you really want to see Chrysostom suffer, force him to commit sin. I know him well. This man fears nothing in the world but sin. Sin in its essence is missing of the mark. That is why we should fear sin. Now this episode in David's life, I think next to slaying of Goliath, it is the second best known event in his life. I think the fact that he has committed adultery with Bathsheba, then killed Uriah, is a story that is known, not only among Christians, but even non-Christians alike. It is a well-known story. Don't let your familiarity with the story rob you from learning how did David get himself into that mess? But also learn how did David genuinely and truly got himself out of that mess. I have six reasons, six possible reasons. And I want you to listen to my words very carefully. They are carefully selected. I did not say excuses. <laughs> I said reasons. There is no excuse. David could not offer an excuse. He never came up with one. He knows he did not have one. But as we learn from some of those reasons, let's guard against the tempter working in our lives. The first thing I notice here is boredom. He began to feel bored with his mission. He began to feel bored with his calling. He began to feel bored in his house. He began to feel bored generally. Watch out for getting bored. It is the first sign of trouble. Secondly, David was experiencing the loneliness that comes with leadership. In Psalm 102 verse 7, he said, I have become like a lonely bird at the housetop. How can the king, with all of his entourage, with all of his prestige, how can he be lonely? Listen carefully. You can experience loneliness of vision even if you have thousands of people around you. You can experience the loneliness of idea if you're in a room filled with people. You can experience the loneliness of commitment and no matter how many surrounding you. Loneliness can be positive if you do two things. Number one, stop feeling sorry for yourself. And two, let God fill that void. Then there's a third reason for David's moral failure here as I can see it. David was getting tired of fighting. <laughs> 34 years of fighting, 34 years of running, and finally he relaxed his grip. He began to take it easy. Had David gone out with the men into the battlefield, he would not have ended in the place of failure. 
And I want to warn those older Christians, and I don't mean age older Christians, those who have been walking with the Lord for a long time. You can allow yourself after a while. I've been there. I've done that. I read this. I don't need to grow anymore. That is dangerous. Be very careful. Spiritual warfare is a daily thing. It's minute by minute, and you cannot relax. You cannot let your grip go. And I'm not talking about relaxing the body. I'm talking about relaxing of your spirit and your mind in spiritual warfare. No wonder the Apostle Paul tells Timothy, he said, Endure hardness as good soldier for Jesus Christ. Hardness and soldiering go hand in hand. Hardness and victory go hand in hand. Then fourthly, David allowed Michael's rejection. That's his first wife, you remember, Saul's daughter. I think he allowed her rejection to get to him. Now, I don't have a clear indication from the Word of God on this one. When I'm not sure, I'll tell you. But just listen very carefully of what I'm going to say. Do you remember when David danced before the ark of the Lord and he took his royal gown off? He took his royal robe off and he danced before God. What happened when he came home? She was waiting for him. She was right behind the door. (laughs) And she gave him a tongue lashing. She socked it to him. (laughs) And she put him down. Saul's daughter was cold. She was critical, cantankerous, and crabby. (laughs) And David took it personally. (laughs) He said, well, he had other wives. Well, yes, you see, but Michael is the one he loved. So instead of exercising spiritual leadership in his house, instead of exercising godly leadership in his house, what did David do? He allowed that bitterness to seep into his heart. The fifth reason for David's failure is his laziness. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 2, it said that he woke up in the afternoon. Now, if you do that, forgive me, but I'm going to say a thing or two about this. (laughs) That is self-indulgence. You can tell that David was not redeeming the time. Laziness, hear me right, please. Laziness gives the tempter the upper hand in your spiritual walk. Amen? Amen? Proverbs 12, 24 said, The hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put under tribute. Then I believe there's a sixth reason combined together led into David's moral failure and sin. And that is his refusing to hear the truth. Well, I can take a few weeks on that one. (laughs) When David sent the messenger to find out who Bathsheba was, The messenger came back to him and he said, this is Bathsheba who is the wife of Uriah. (laughs) In other words, the messenger was saying to him, David, this was another man's wife. But David didn't want to hear that truth. And when we don't want to hear the truth, we will rationalize and make excuses. And you know what? That really doesn't honor God. When we don't want to hear the truth... We will criticize and pass the blame. When the heart is hardened and when the neck is stiffened, no sermon, no preacher, no friend, no church 
will be able to get through until you're ready to respond to the convicting of the Spirit of God, until you're ready to be bent by the Spirit of God, until you're ready to be broken by the Spirit of God. David thought that he got away with his shenanigan. He didn't understand that God is patient and that God's justice may take long, but it will always take place. Now, the law of God was clear. The punishment for adultery in the Old Testament is stoning. Stoning to death of the adulterer and the adulteress. So what does David do in order to escape the punishment of the law? He arranged for Uriah to be killed, her husband. And once she became a widow, he felt, he rationalized, all is going to be well. And he literally thought that he could get away with murder. But hear me right, please. There is an eye that sees what nobody else can see. There is an eye that penetrates what no camera lens can detect. Months have passed since this horrific deed. Everyone forgot about it, except for the justice of God, which is as true as His mercy. The justice of God, which is as true as his love. David may thought that he can get away from this, but he could not escape from the cry of justice. Do you know that the scripture said that blood of the innocent cry to God? And I want to tell you when we murder babies in this nation, those blood of the innocents is crying to God every single day. David might have rationalized it to Joab, his chief of the army, but he knew that he could not rationalize it to the chief inspector of his soul. God deals with us in different ways, but he knows how to get our attention. You can give him your attention the easy way, or you can do it the hard way. And here God sends Nathan the prophet to David with a parable. A parable that eventually brought David under conviction and led him to true and genuine repentance. As I looked at this passage and I thought, imagine having the assignment of going to the king and telling him of his sin. <sighs> Speaking the truth is not always easy, but it's the only way. And Nathan comes to King David and he says to him this parable. And I want to summarize this parable. The position of Uriah and his wife is represented in the figure of a poor man who has only one, one and only, ewe lamb. And the lamb was so dear to this man that literally was sleeping in his bosom. The one who wronged this poor man was portrayed as a rich man with large number of flocks and herds at his disposal. What Nathan is doing here, he is drawing a word picture for David so he can see, begin to comprehend the enormity of his sin so that he can heighten the guilt that is described by seizing of that ewe lamb and slaying of that ewe lamb. What is he doing that for? Look at this very carefully, please. He was doing it to accommodate to the traveler. He's doing it to entertain a traveler. So he took this poor man's one and only ewe lamb to offer it to the traveler. I could take a long time just going through that parable, but I won't do that. I want you to focus with me, please, just on one aspect of that parable. One aspect. It is the traveler. 
Focus on the traveler for a minute. Because the traveler here represents the restless desire. The traveler here represents the progression of lust. The traveler here represents the wandering thoughts. The traveler here represents the roving eye of David in relationship to Bathsheba. No wonder the Apostle Paul exalted us in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. He said to take every thought captive to obey Christ. True, we can't prevent wandering thoughts from entering into our minds, but by the power of God's Holy Spirit and by the power of the Word of God that is given to us, we can stop these thoughts from nesting in our minds. Any excuse that you can't help it, it's just because it's in my background, it's in my genes, and it's in this and it's that, forget it. You make a mockery of the power of God that is offered to us in Jesus Christ. You make a mockery of the power of the cross that says will give us victory over sin. What happened here, David welcomed the traveler. David entertained the traveler. David housed the traveler. What David did, he gave the traveler the run of the house. Are you still listening to me? You haven't switched off? God bless you. Hear me right. The best way to pave the road to sin and moral failure is to continuously entertain ungodly thoughts in any area of life. Do you want to repeat that? The best way to pave the road to sin and moral failure is to continuously entertain ungodly thoughts. Whether it's for somebody or against somebody. Look at David's reaction. His first reaction was very emotional reaction, not biblical reaction. And you know what? That's what happened. Whenever you react with your emotions and not by the word of God, things are going to get worse. They really will. What does the law of the Old Testament require if a man steals something or robs somebody? It requires that he will pay back fourfold. Fourfold. But that's not how David reacted. In the case of this hypothetical man, David could have said, well, and he said that in verse 6, he said, you know, pay fourfold. But the first reaction was, he should be killed. That's not what the law said. The law said that man should not be killed. But David reacted. You know why? Why he's reacted this way? Because he was harboring sin in his life. <laughs> and harboring sin in your life makes you very critical of others. Make you less forgiving than you ought. You can always be certain that the one who has an uneasy conscience always lashes out against the sins of others. You can always be certain that the one who is most merciless with another believer when the, that believer falls is the one who needs the mercy the most. And the moment David finished pronouncing this sentence upon his hypothetical character of Nathan in his parable, Nathan turns to him and he says, you are the man. You are that man. You are that man. I want to ask you this. Has the Spirit of God been saying to you, you are the man? You're the woman? You have this issue that need to be confronted but you never dealt with? You have that sin that you have never dealt with? You have that resentment that is eating you alive? 
You have this sexual impurity that you are covering up. You have this money that belongs to God, but you're keeping it. You have this unwholesome relationship that you are quietly pursuing when you know that you are the man, you are the woman. It is a prayer of my heart that you look at David's reaction and how David dealt with this sin and that I beg everyone who's listening to me to have that same reaction. Of course, he sinned against Uriah. He sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against a lot of people. But his first reaction was, I sinned before God. Psalm 51 gives us an indication of the depth of David's sorrow over his sin. It gives us an indication of the depth of David's grieving over his sin. It gives us a depth of David's feeling over that enormity of his sin. Every verse of Psalm 51 shows us the depth of his anguish and the reality of his repentance. David's repentance is the only true and biblical type of repentance. David's repentance is the only type of repentance that God really loves and honors. David's repentance was a genuine repentance. Why? Because it was accompanied by a desire to forsake the sin. Forsake the sin. It's like Daniel. He purposed in his heart. That is the true repentance. And that's the repentance that honors God. May our repentance be David's. If the Spirit of God has begun to move in your life and began to point to areas that you have taken for granted, that you have laxed, that you have just followed the crowd and ignored the purity and the holiness of God who loves you. I believe the Lord would call you and I show it to you from cover to cover in the scripture to have a genuine repentance, a forsaking type of repentance. Not repentance in words only, but repentance of action. That is the truth of God's word. Jesus is not going to come back to a harlot. He's going to come back to a bride that is pure and holy. He's going to come back to a bride that is awaiting his return. Not so anxious to stay behind like Lot's wife. You want to experience the blessing of God and the joy of the Lord in your life? Repent. You want to know contentment? Repent. Say to the Lord with David, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. A powerful message from Dr. Michael Yusuf on Leading the Way. If you missed any portion of today's message or other days, remember you can listen to the archives online at ltw.org or use the Leading the Way app on your mobile devices. One of the most amazing things for me when I come to the very heart of the Middle East is how many people coming to Christ at a very hefty cost, sometimes the cost of their life. But I am so deeply saddened on the inside that so many in the evangelical church in the West, turning their back on the faith. And I am wondering, I'm just wondering aloud with you, is God gathering His elect? Is God gathering His believers from every corner of the globe? And the true sheep are coming to the fold and the goats are leaving the fold. 
that encourages me, saddens me, yes, but encourages me at the same time to see the hand of God working here. So pray for our partners who are on the ground. They are really not in the safest place on the face of the earth, and they're not doing the safest work either. So pray for them, intercede for them, let the Lord guide you and lead you as you pray for our partners on the ground. God bless. If you'd like to learn more about leading the way and how lives are being changed daily across six continents, visit ltw.org. You can also call 1-300-133-589. Once again, ltw.org and 1-300-133-589. Or you can write to Leading the Way, P.O. Box 1900, Penrith, New South Wales 2751. Leading the Way, P.O. Box 1900, Penrith, New South Wales 2751. Thank you for listening today. And make it a point to join Dr. Yusuf next time to hear more about the life of David on Leading the Way. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf. Connect via YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and all of the social media networks. Learn more at ltw.org. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.